Hey, hey, you're listening to the Let's Heal Already podcast for the sometimes impatient, sometimes cranky person doing some healing. And I'm your host, JR. I'm an author, actor, and speaker from Far Rockaway, New York. And on this podcast, you'll hear me cover ground on a variety of topics from mental wellness and emotional literacy to blackness to masculinity and femininity, to ending misogyny and patriarchy, to last but not least, bisexuality and ending sexual shame. Welcome, 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 everybody. So I'm really excited because I have a special guest here with me today. This is Mel. Welcome, Mel. Hey, thank you for having me. Yeah, of course, of course. And so today we're going to be talking about Black boyhood. I'm really excited. I feel like this topic is in great hands. Um, can you just let everyone at home listening know um, more about like more about what you do and more about like how you talk about Black boyhood or Black masculinity on your platforms? Yeah. Um, once again, happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So yeah, my name is Mel. Um, I, I hate the word content, but I make content on TikTok. Uh, I've been making videos on TikTok for about, mm, I think two years now. And, um, I talk about patriarchy from a black feminist lens. And, um, yeah, I, I got into this around the pandemic the pandemic was uh, a slow time for me, a slow time for everybody. Mm-hmm. People had a lot of time in their hands to, you know, read, take in new information and things like that. And that's pretty much what I did. Um, yeah, I, I was on Twitter a lot, on social media, and I was seeing a lot of, honestly, I, I just, I'm just going to be honest, I was seeing a lot of, a lot of violence, seeing a lot of violence, um, that was being done by people that look like us, black men, uh, toward women. And, um, you know, that, uh, that, that really prompted me to just be curious. You know, it was, it was curiosity that spawned from seeing a lot of these things on social media, curiosity about, you know, how we got here, how black men got in this position to the point where they were, uh, you know, just being violent for maybe not getting someone's number or anything like that. And, Again, I was just curious. That led me to do some Googles and asking questions, and it led me to words like patriarchy and feminism, and it led me it led me to to books and YouTube videos and all these things. Uh, and in my learning, I started to see how this thing patriarchy uh, affected not only men, of course, but also uh, boys and and young men, and um, yeah, obviously I I am a mass person. I was a boy at one point in my life, so uh, it's definitely it's definitely something I'm passionate about. Definitely something uh, that's important to me. So yeah, yeah, I hear you. Wow, thank you for sharing that. Um, I guess my first question. And this is like a journal prompt that I do with my audience at the start of episodes. Basically, I ask Mm -hmm. a question and I answer it first. And then um, you can definitely answer when you're ready. 
Um, I guess what's the first thing that comes to mind when you hear black boyhood? And for me, it is sort of like innocence, but also, mm-hmm. I don't know if the word is dread, maybe like dread, fear. So it's like both. It's all of it wrapped up because I guess like thinking back, I'm like, I know what's coming. Like, you know what I mean? Um, So it's kind of both. It's kind of like innocence, but dread at the same time. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think those would be my two answers, honestly. Uh, Just purity, innocence, uh, love, but also fear. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, there is something like what like what's to come and what possibly can come mm-hmm. you know um so yeah i would say you know purity innocence love but also fear but also protection you know wanting to protect that innocence that yeah. purity and that love you know protect it from what protect that from patriarchy from society you know what i'm saying yeah. so yeah i think those would be my answer as well yeah wow um i'm just thinking back to like what what you shared and everything about the violence that you were seeing during the pandemic, especially. Um, and mm-hmm. just, I just think back throughout various points in my life and watching so many different men, masculine people, not able to issue self-control or not really interested in, uh, in, in, in that sort of um, self-control and sort of recognition of emotions within themselves, you know, because I hear so many um, men that I'm around at work, especially, just kind of talk about their beliefs about, like, emotions and just automatically believing that women are more emotional or, or what have you. And I'm just like, it's it's so funny to me because we can believe something that is not true and, like, our minds will show us that over and over again. And I, I, I think that a lot of men don't recognize that they're always experiencing emotion, even if they're not fully connected to to those emotions. And that's something that I'm personally learning um, through therapy, just to kind of come back into uh, contact or into relationship with, with varying types of emotion. And certain types of emotion, for me, are a lot easier to recognize and feel and experience and other types of emotion I I want to push away and I'm really uncomfortable with acknowledging that some of that that might be there or I'm just completely out of touch with a certain emotion altogether. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely something that I do want to say in regards to that is I don't think a lot of men recognize or acknowledge that anger <laughs> anger is an emotion you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. um, and, and and there are a few things to even say about that yeah and you kind of talked on just now like i think anger is one of the uh one of the few emotions that we are allowed to um experience and display mm. um but yeah. 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 I'm thinking back to um some of my early um instances of like 
realizing that, oh, there's an enormous double standard. I mean, there were many, many moments throughout my life, throughout my childhood that I remember that. But um, there is one that really sticks out to me. I was in the 10th grade. I had a bomb mm. English teacher. And she, we, we had to read this book called The Scarlet Letter. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. Uh, but, yeah, it's like a book they give you in high school. Yeah, I am. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Yeah. They give you this book to read in school. Basically, um, it takes place in the 1600s in Massachusetts. So like the Northeast of America. Um, and it, it's in this very, like very religious community. And basically um, this woman becomes pregnant by the minister in, in the town and um, the minister was married. So he committed adultery but um, the woman is branded with this letter A uh, for adulterer, and it's all in red. That's the title of the book, The Scarlet Letter. So the letter on her, on her chest that she has to wear everywhere is red, and she becomes like a social outcast in, in, in that book. And um, eventually, um, well, she becomes a social outcast in the book, and we witness the whole journey, basically. And um, he is not, he receives zero punishment. And I remember we read that book in class and I had one of those moments, you know, where uh, like in a TV show, somebody's like the one of the characters like is breaking the fourth wall and looks at the viewer at home or whatever, kind of like, oh yeah, right, on the office or even Abbott Elementary. Um, so I had one of those moments and like nobody else seemed to be upset or like notice how contradictory it was or maybe by that time it was so routine to everybody else but i was like this is so unfair and it was so like it's so unjust it's so unjust mm -hmm. i was like so upset by the unjustness of it and everybody yeah. else kind of that i observed was just kind of like well yeah that's just how it is like yeah like yeah and I just like, that was like a moment that I just, I always think back to. And back then I, I didn't know much of anything about feminism, but that mm -hmm. was certainly a sort of like a pivotal moment for me or like a, what is going on? This is not right moment for me that really mm -hmm. like sort of sticks to me. So I'm just mm -hmm. wondering if you've had sort of like similar aha or like similar moments where you were kind of beginning to be like, wait, this mm -hmm. is really not right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Great, great question. Um, I've I've thought I've thought that to myself multiple times. Yeah. I, like I said earlier, um, twenty twenty was around a time where it was like really intentional for me. Like the <laughs> intentional curiosity, like what what is going on with men, mm -hmm. but also what's going on in the world, but specifically what is what's what's going on with men, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah, there were a lot of moments in my childhood and my upbringing that I questioned. It was like, you know, why is this like this? Or why do we, there, there were so many moments. Um, you, you you talked about being in high school, being in 10th grade. There was a moment for me in high school also. Um, I was in, I was in this relationship, terrible relationship. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, long story short, this person, this person put put their hands on me. 
they this 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 woman put their hands this this young lady put their hands on me and i was uh i was gonna let it go because it was just like no nobody cares right i i'm a guy nobody cares about this nobody cares about the optics of the situation mm -hmm. but there was a male teacher who was very adamant about me um very adamant about me speaking up and basically using my voice and le letting it be known that basically someone just someone just assaulted me and you know it's not okay yeah. and i remember him being very adamant about that in the hallway like no we're going to the principal's office to document this and let this be known and i was i was just like nah like it's cool like it's it's whatever mm -hmm. right he was just like and he turned and he looked at me he was just like no like this isn't okay and I'll tell you right now, because if it was the other way around, you would be reprimanded for this like easily. Yeah. And it was just like, damn, that so that was one way. It was like, damn, like he's totally right. Like I I'm sitting here feeling like uh this isn't important. Yeah. This isn't uh like no one's gonna care about this, like no one takes it seriously. And you know, that small, tiny little situation kind of uh you know mirrors conversations broader conversations about you know men being abused men being men being physically abused and things yeah. like that yeah um shoot there there were so many situations uh there was another situation where man i'm drawing a blank but it was just like I, as a kid i was never and it just kind of goes to the kind of kid or person i was mm -hmm. and still am uh, like I said, I always question things. Uh, you know, me and my sister. I don't have you. Uh, do you know about the show called Wife Swap? Wife Swap. I've heard. Wait, I've seen like previews for it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I understand Wife the premise. Swap, Wife Swap. Wife Swap is a show. It's about the 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 premise of the show is you have these two different families and they change wives mm -hmm. for a week or whatever. And I, I remember me and my sister used to watch that. And it, there was this one random episode where the, the, the men didn't want to clean the bathroom or something like that. And I remember the, the men, the husbands on the show complaining, saying, oh, that's that's a woman's job and things like that. And I, and I remember me and my sister both going like, what? Like, what is what 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 is a woman's job? What is a woman's how was you know what I'm saying like so what 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 about cleaning a bathroom is is only for a woman you know so it was things like that mm -hmm. that I would see out in the world and just question you know so many so many experiences and so many things I saw that I would question be like why why is that for a woman or alternatively why is that for a man you know so I've always been the type of person to like question things say like why why is that the way that is right so like the curiosity. And it sounds like it really survived because that's what you said. Um, it got you curious in 2020 when you started intentionally like mm -hmm. reading and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I really want to just honor you um, and honor like your experience and, and also your vulnerability around what you shared about your ex-girlfriend in high school and everything. And um, I'm really glad that that teacher was there and um, let you know that what happened was not okay because I think a lot of guys th think that like, oh, it's, it's, it's not that serious or like, 
I'm mm-hmm. okay. I'm okay. I can take it. Like, you know, everything's fine or, or whatever. And I think that, you know, older, more mature people, hopefully, uh, would be like, no, this is introducing like a dangerous sort of mm-hmm. element into what you know to be love or relationships, um, romantic relationships. And, and, um, and mm-hmm. you can be hurt too. Um, there's this, there's this singer, his name is Houston Kendrick, and, um, he has this amazing song, song called Home, and one of the lines in it that sticks out to me is, um, sometimes when you don't get scared, you get scars, and, like, for me, that hit me so hard because, like, mm. yeah, <laughs> because, like, wow, <laughs> man, listen, wow. bro, listen, <laughs> um, <laughs> Because, like, you know, for me, I haven't really been allowed to, like, experience fear. Um, and that's something that, like, you know, I'm working through um, in therapy and everything. Um, and so, like, I've had to turn that sort of part of myself off for, like, a really, really long time. And fear is a very important emotion. Like, you know, it lets us know, hey, danger, something's, like, you know, go the other way. Whereas, like because I didn't have fear, you know, some people was like, oh, that's great. You're fearless. And it's like, that's, maybe that's the upside, right? But the downside to that is you wind up in stuff that gets you scarred, like deeply, deeply, deeply scarred because you didn't even, you weren't even afraid. You weren't like tentative. I think maybe that's even a better like word, like a better synonym for fear because there is so much stigma, stigma attached to, um, you know, being afraid. Like, being tentative, like being like very like, uh, I gotta see first. I gotta see. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, I just wanted to say that. And then um, I guess I wanted to ask you some of the questions that I have um, <laughs> lined up for this conversation. You already talked about how your curiosity is like a is a big feature of who you were as a boy. And so I'm also wondering about like style, like maybe also like physical stuff, like what kind of hairstyles did you have throughout your life? Were you always like a dark Caesar or dark fade type of dude? Or did you have braids at one point or what? Um, such a, such a interesting question that I could speak on. Um, and this, Man, um, as far as hair, I've always had just like a regular, regular low cut, um, you know, nothing too crazy. But I I remember around, well, well let me just say this for context. Mm-hmm. Um, I think who I am, as, as, far, as far as my uh, assigned gender, uh, to to me, I, I feel like I've never really um, I've never really performed my gender in an appropriate or a, a way that I was supposed to, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and that was that was something that a few hurdles that I came across as far as like style and like hair and expressing mm-hmm. myself. For example, I remember in high school, I I I wanted to dye my hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I wanted to dye my hair and these type of things, but you know, my parents didn't think that was appropriate or they wouldn't let me because 
you know, hair hair color is can be perceived as being feminine, mm-hmm. right? If 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 I don't know if you noticed, but if you go into the beauty salon, if you go into the beauty uh uh the beauty store, the beauty supply store, and you look at hair dye, I would say majority of the boxes do have women mm-hmm. on the women on the packaging. Yep. You know, um, I, I I wanted to dye my hair. Um, as far as style, man, even even back in two thousand nine, when like skinny jeans and jerkin was super popular, like I, again, I wanted to wear skinny jeans. You know, I wanted to wear skinny jeans, but you know, my parents didn't think that was appropriate yeah. it was just like why why do you want to why, why do you want your jeans to be so tight <laughs> and it was just like listen like this is this is just the swag right now i just want to swag out it's like everybody i, I want to express myself this is who i want to be it was just like we don't think this is appropriate for you we don't think as a as a young man we don't think your pants should be this tight as a young man we don't think your hair should be any other color besides black wow right yeah i'm thinking back on me and how i've had so many hairstyles and they were all a fight (laughs) um for the longest time so i grew up in far rockaway in new york um and i grew up around black people and so for the longest time i wanted cornrows i wanted you know braids and Mm -hmm. my parents are both nigerian and so you know braids are for women and long hair is that's for women that's not for boys Mm -hmm. um yeah so it was not allowed (laughs) and you know i would try to grow my hair out um take months and months and months and finally it would be long enough to braid you go through this like sort of ugly duckling phase you know um the in between can't quite style it properly um and you get through that and you're like okay now i can do braids and every time my parents will make me cut it or um or what have you yeah (laughs) but eventually and they they would have me with a baldy too not just like a caesar not just a light caesar it was like a baldy um Mm. so yeah i would yeah that was that was not fun (laughs) um um but uh yeah eventually like in high school like toward the end of high school eventually i wore my my parents down and um they finally allowed me to have like braids and i was so happy and it was something that I wanted since I was a kid, but I was finally getting like toward the end of my sort of like senior year of high school. Um, so yeah, then I had braids, then I had uh, locks, like small locks, and um, eventually I had like one head, like one half of my head shaved, and the other half with like long locks, kind of like Rihanna. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, I've had twists. I've had just like little curls and stuff um but in terms of hair dye i think i would dye my hair like brown like a nice like chestnut kind of dark brown or mm-hmm. whatever. yeah <laughs> like that yeah kind of like it looks natural or whatever um but certainly no bright colors and i don't think i even wanted that i don't know that i've ever wanted that but i think that might speak to like conditioning too because it's like oh like no yeah. bright colors you know Another thing too, yeah. After a while, just after a while of just being adamant 
and just constantly asking. Uh, you know, my parents definitely led up to. Uh, I late later on in life, I think yeah, later on in my adult life, I I did, I I did get dreads, um, but also I I think around that time too. I know earlier you asked me about like moments that moments where I just questioned things just just really throughout life because it was just like I started to notice things like okay you don't want I'm not allowed to I started noticing how my gender was restricting me Mm. you know it was like okay I I'm not allowed to wear skinny jeans simply because I'm a young Mm -hmm. I'm not allowed to dye my hair simply because I'm a young man it was like you know, mm-hmm. if uh, I'm being restricted simply because of my gender, and it was just like it, it was just, I started to feel like this isn't really this. This isn't fun, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Essentially, yeah. and like I relate so much to what you're saying right now. Um, so I'm bi and um, growing up, I was very, very, very feminine and very like, fun and full of life and energy. And unfortunately, <laughs> over the years, a lot of that has been <laughs> taken from me, but I'm reclaiming yeah. it now. <laughs> I'm trying to step back into that. Um, but the reason I bring that up is because, yeah, I was met with that all the time. Oh, you can't do this because you're a boy or boys don't do that. Boys don't walk like that. Boys don't talk like that. Or you're not supposed to do that. Um, and so... Mm-hmm. I would constantly see the limitations of gender um, for me, right? And then also, especially when I was in, like, once I got to, like, high school, I started to notice not just me, but also, like, other people, like, wow, this this, this idea or this, or gender, like, it restricts y'all so much. Like, there's, I I would note it, because most of my friends were were girls and women, um, and so I would notice they would say certain things or do certain things and shame one another and, like, you know, like, oh, you're not supposed to do that, that's for boys, or whatever. Or, like, they would even like boys because certain boys expressed certain qualities that they themselves couldn't, were told that they couldn't because they're girls. And I, and I was mm-hmm. able to kind of see, like, some of that pretty early, like, I think part of the reason you like him is because you're not allowed to be like that, but you want to be like that. So you're drawn to him. Do you know what I mean? No, I totally, I totally get you. hundred percent. Yeah. That restrictive element with gender. Um, I guess I'm thinking also back to like, um, fashion in, in where I, where I'm from and how big Jordans were, you mentioned skinny jeans and stuff like that. And it's just so funny Mm -hmm. because like growing up skinny jeans, um, or jeans that were kind of tight or close to your legs, definitely not the wave definitely would get you called some slurs, um, where I'm from. (laughs) And then that like hard pivot in the, in the 2009s, 2010 area. Um, it's just so wild. Um, do you remember any other clothing items growing up that were like significant or meant something? Man, speaking of, yeah, just just another example of something of of a way I just th- there was a cap on how I could express myself. I remember, yeah, this was 
back in that 2000, 2009, 2000, early 2010s era, definitely around that skinny jeans jerking era, there was this thing. I wanted it so bad. It was, uh, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> it was the, um, and as I, I know you know what this is too, the, the foxtail. Yeah, 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 yeah. With the Kanye, right? Because Kanye was around that time with the knapsacks and the foxtails and the right. It's like a keychain that you could just put on the yeah. side or your the side of your yeah the belt loop, right? Yeah, I I remember like a family friend, a close family friend, uh, having a conversation with me around Christmas, and she she asked me what I wanted for Christmas, mm-hmm. and it was just like, yo, was, I. I told her, I was like, yo, I, I, I want this foxtail, you know, it's this thing, it's super cheap, blah, blah, blah. She was just like, she gave me this cautionary tale, like, oh, Lord. now you know that, <laughs> yeah, it was like, now you know that, you know, a lot of the a lot of the guys who are gay wear that, like, do you really want that? And, and I'm sitting here like, what does that, what does that have to do with something that I want, something that I desire? I understand what she was trying to do, but it was just like, that is of no significance to me. So I remember that and, you know, that just being yet another example of something that I can't do, something that I can't have simply because of this this thing or this, this world that we live in. Right. But you, you spoke about Jordans. We, we talked about skinny jeans, the foxtail. Um, was there anything else as far as like fashion and clothing? I mean, just beyond that, just 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 to talk about fashion more broadly, I definitely think that like not even think men's options are definitely not as expensive mm-hmm. as women's are. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I'm wondering about the family friend, and so like from my perspective, it sounds like she was in her own way. She was trying to protect you. Is that what you think? What was going on, or do you think there was something else too? Um, I think that was protection. Um, no, I think that was honestly we're just gonna call a spade a spade. This is like that was. It was. To me, it was homophobia. It was just <laughs> like okay, this this clothing clothing item is typically worn by these types of people, mm-hmm. and. I'm pretty sure she felt like those types of people were bad or this, this, and that. And it was just like, because of that, you're not allowed to wear this thing because it's related to, again, these types of people. Right. And it was just like, so, and honestly, that, that was, that's, that's a good question. Cause that can even, that, 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 that caused into question, like how we, how we raise boys sometimes, like the whole, when when we tell them man up and to not cry, like is that is it protection or is it you know are we trying to protect them and and in the house before it happens out in public? You know that that's that's something to think about too. And then uh, it makes me think about like how we're trying like guiding right guidance, like trying to guide you away from possibly being gay whatever but also mm-hmm. thought of as gay and so like yeah like this idea of trying to guide children and 
sort of shape and mold children, um, it, it, it reminds me of that sort of conversation and how more often than not, the things that people will guide uh, children to to do and be are the opposite of anything having to do with gay people, queer people, bi people, trans people, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, that's just, uh, I mean, that's the reality of where we live. I, I could give you a million stories about <laughs> my experience with that, but I will not bore you. Literally. literally. <laughs> or the people listening to this. <laughs> um, my next question is, who were some of your personal heroes, whether that means like people in your neighborhood or family or just like influences, like maybe like famous people or something or in your neighborhood? I don't know. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that. Um, I have two. I have. I have two different answers. Mm-hmm. I have two different answers. So the first one. And we we talked about this, um, you know, both of us were from the same place. I was I was born in Queens, but in Far Rockaway. Um, when I when I lived there at the time, someone I looked up to heavily was as as a kid was was Fifty Cent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I wanted to be like Fifty Cent, mm-hmm. you know, because that was that was cool to me. Um, that was appealing to me, you know, the cars, the money, the girls, like the the macho, like the mm-hmm. toughness of it. It was cool. Well, obviously, at that time, I didn't have the language, but that was cool to me. Mm-hmm. Now, not so much. Mm-hmm. But so I, I would say now, in my adult life, but also in my young adult life, um, Will Smith. Mm-hmm. Will Smith. Will Smith did a lot for me. Mm-hmm. I think he might have been the first person or the, yeah, he might have been the first person that I saw myself in, mm-hmm. uh, in TV or film. Um, just a little, just some context. Um, you know, growing up, I felt the men in my life, the men in my family, I felt they were just really serious all the time. Yeah. Really serious, really stoic. And um as a kid, man, I was a goofy kid, man. <laughs> I was a goofy, fun, really silly kid, man. And sometimes it just, it just seemed like the men around me just weren't happy really. Yeah. Didn't really smile, didn't really laugh, didn't really feel you know, just really stoic, really stern. And um, I, I do remember, like, uh, around high school, thinking, like, you know, maybe maybe I should be like that. You know, maybe I should cut back on the fun, goofy jokes and stuff like that. Maybe I should cut back and be a little bit more stoic, mm-hmm. maybe more serious, you know? But I remember, you know, watching Fresh Prince and seeing Will... And it was just like, man, and here's a guy who's, he's like me. He's, yeah. he's goofy, he's black. He, he gets the girls still, you know, he still has his serious moments. And it was just like, you know, seeing that it, it, to me, it was just okay. Like this, this is okay. Like who I am is okay. Wow. You know, so when we talk about representation, man, like that shit is real. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, so I, I, I love Will Smith, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I really do. And it's and it's funny because he's somebody who it can be argued that he doesn't really uh where where he sits on, I guess, the quote unquote masculinity scale, he he, he kind of deviates from traditional masculinity in, in, in some regards, right? <laughs> and it's funny because a lot of time he comes up in in public conversations, it's usually negative. Mm. So I, I think it's funny that, you know, that is someone this despite him deviating from masculinity, that's probably why he really resonates because I also <laughs> deviate that so i just want to say will will if you're listening i love you man i appreciate you (laughs) that's beautiful oh that's good yeah we watched we watched french prince a lot uh growing up too um i'm trying to think i'm trying to answer the question what were some who were some of your personal heroes influences um to be um, i don't know like okay (laughs) i'm trying to think and like to be honest i've been trying to think about this for the days leading up to this conversation even though i'm the one who Mm -hmm. wrote the question (laughs) but it's just yeah it's like a blank honestly um and i want to say more about that or why i think it was a blank um i know that for me growing up uh it was it was very rare to see um uh feminine bisexual men black men um in the media uh portrayed in a even a neutral light let alone not a negative one um Mm -hmm. and so i mean even even like less specific even if you want to go to just queer or gay um black men there were so few um and they were not particularly portrayed in, in positive or neutral um, lights, they were oftentimes like a, a stereotype um, rather than just like a full human being or um, the butt of the joke or something or like the that. The joke. Um, so there was certainly that. And then I'm just kind of thinking about like a lot of the um, portrayals of black masculinity that I, that I witnessed on TV or even in my neighborhood. Um, I don't know. I think I, I think it it's complicated because I don't know that there were uh lots of people who i wanted to be like um but there were certainly people i was drawn to and so that had to do with like attraction um and so this is such a hard question um even though i'm the one who (laughs) made it up um so yeah i I think i think that kind of answers it i think it was it was complicated by sort of i don't know who i want to be like and none of you guys like sort of like me or at least acknowledge that you're like me um and so yeah i don't i don't know that i want to be like anybody um but at the same time there is like a pull or like an attraction there so it's it's complicated (laughs) it's complicated my next question is um what expectations while being a black boy were placed on you that you were aware of that I was aware of. Um, hmm. Uh, something that that initially pops in my mind is uh. Oh yeah. Um, something that I was aware of that was an expectation, or I felt that was an expe- expectation of me was uh being being sexually active. 
being sexually active, um, being a virgin, being a virgin was not it. And I'm sure it's still, I'm sure it's still like that. Um, yeah, so I, I definitely felt that. But despite this, despite that pressure from family, from friends, just from everybody, really, uh, I I was a virgin man. But it was just like I was I was a cool virgin. Like I was <laughs> I was super chill. Like I wasn't pressed. I wasn't pressed to do that mm-hmm. until I wanted to. Yeah, you know. And a lot of people didn't. A lot of people didn't know I was a virgin when I was. A lot of people thought that I wasn't mm-hmm. and I, I wouldn't hide it either mm-hmm. I wasn't ashamed of virgin people would ask me people would, be, would, would talk about sex and I'd be like oh I'm a virgin I don't I don't know what that is you know what I'm saying they would be shocked by it, it wasn't something I was ashamed of and um man to be honest a, a lot of this conversation is like reminding me of I think like I've always I've always thought that like vulnerability and like bravery was like strength, mm-hmm. you know, because again, I would people people would talk about sex and I would so confidently say, like, oh, I'm a virgin mm-hmm. and not, and not try to play myself up or lie or pretend, you know, I would just be honest mm-hmm. and, you know, speak my truth. Um, but yeah, that, what, what about you, though? What, what was something that? was an expectation that you that you felt yeah um i definitely felt the expectation um not to not to be afraid not to snitch um <laughs> um oh yeah definitely <laughs> to handle problems on my own no matter how uh big the problems were um i had to handle it on my own um and what other expectations well i was expected to be yeah tough i guess masculine i was expected to yeah basically it, it sounds like just just be a man right quote unquote be a man yeah and yeah i think for, i think for most of us that's the that's the expectation mm-hmm. and i was expected to be straight too um or i was i was also expected to feel ashamed of being bi um yeah that's 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 wild that's a lot <laughs> i was not expected yeah. to feel confident or or like myself yeah um i think i wanted to ask you something wait because you said so because it sounds like people were expecting you to 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 have sex before you know and they were also expecting you maybe to feel maybe ashamed or embarrassed by your virginity. Mm-hmm. Right. That's so interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, when we think about masculinity, um, that, that, that's definitely something that's a part of that thought, like being, having a lot of, uh, sexual partners or, or a lot of people think of it as like sexual conquest mm-hmm. right um but not nah, it was just like i i i didn't feel that at all i didn't feel ashamed um i was i was moving on my own time yeah <laughs> you know it's just like i'm I'm not about to do something i don't want to do 
despite mm-hmm. again this, despite the pressure um because the because the pressure is there you know the pressure is there and i do feel like a lot of young men uh do fold under that which is in a which is a separate conversation in itself yeah but um yeah yeah and do you feel like people regularly saw you as innocent and if there is someone or many people who come to mind who um right off the bat my answer to that is no and i say that because because i think patriarchy robs boys and young men of their innocence mm. right i think a lot of times when people see uh especially especially we're talking about black men mm-hmm. black boys black and brown boys you know mm-hmm. there's, there's there's definitely the racial aspect to it already but it's like the, the, the gender aspect as well um so i'll say no to be honest i i think a lot of times when people see us sometimes they, they're not even seeing us they're seeing yeah patriarchy and they're seeing uh uh ideas yep. attributed yep. to masculinity not even us for real um which is unfortunate uh and and i think about that pretty often actually mm-hmm. like <laughs> um what about you though like not being seen yeah like they're seeing the idea of you like not just patriarchy but also blackness like the specter of blackness like mm-hmm. they're not even seeing you mel or me jr they're seeing whatever they associate with with black male black male yeah right right yeah um so to answer this question hell hell fucking no like hell fucking no (laughs) (laughs) and what i will say too is um in addition to you know those two things that you mentioned um black males um i'm bi and so like that is a sexuality piece that's seen as demonic demonic, or there's a spirit on you or you're going to infect my child with your gayness. Um, Or like sexually deviant. Right, sexual deviance or or whatever other things people associate. And so like even if I was around, you know, skin folk, um, there was was that too. And that was a very real fear that a lot of um, my friends who who were boys too, like their parents they had that very real fear and they did not want me in their houses and they let it be known. And, um, yeah, even with my friends who were girls too, like, you know, being around their family and their parents and stuff. And, you know, they would say things too, and they, you know, wouldn't be the nicest and wouldn't want me back around their house either. So, um, you know, this concept of innocence and who gets to be innocent or who gets to be seen as innocent is, um, Mm -hmm. Is such an enormous um, conversation <laughs> with many layers to it. Um, Literally, I was thinking it as you were when you, when you brought when you brought up the sexuality because I'm like, man, it's 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 layers to it. Really, like it's it's unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is like a harder question. Um, what was your relationship to and understanding of power? What was my relationship to and understanding of power? 
I'm I'm gonna I'm take the passenger seat on this one. I, I'll let you answer that one okay. first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I okay. So I think my first taste of power that I can remember <laughs> was having access to fashion, like getting fly, mm-hmm. um, and like and saving up my money so that I could go to a barbershop and have professionals cut my hair because my dad used to cut my hair uh, like a baldy in, in the bathroom. So when I got my bread up and could afford to get a haircut and when I could afford to buy my own clothes and sneakers, oh, baby. Like I was still, I was still, you know, not the top of the social totem pole because I'm still like a feminine by, you know, mm-hmm. black child. But I was not in the same place that I I, I had started. And I knew I noticed that right away. People treated me better. People treated me different. People wanted to be my friend that literally days before did not like walk past me or would laugh at me. People laughed at my jokes. People, yeah, th- that was that was power. That was my first taste of power. Like, okay, if I get this grooming stuff down, if I get this fashion stuff down, people will be nice to me. You know what I'm saying? If I get this, mm. I, guess, I guess beauty, right? Because I said grooming, but maybe it's like beauty, beauty, like attractiveness, desirability. Yeah, um, that, that, yeah. I would say fashion is a part of that. fashion is a part of beauty, really. Yeah, this mm-hmm. is desirable. The, yeah, I, I think I think that might have been my first time too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was I was dating this girl in high school, and she was pretty. She was she was pretty popular, mm-hmm. and in me dating her, you know, I got some of that social clout. <laughs> you know, I got some of that. I, I came up in the the, the social hierarchy a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, I think that might have been the first time I, I was really like aware of it. Like, oh, like, okay. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know, I, I notice people are noticing me more. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, yeah, also dressing, dressing, dressing better. Uh, like toward my senior year of high school, I was a lot better and i i saw uh the the effect that that had again on my social interactions on my friends and if and on my life really yeah so i'll say that yeah well and i think i think in addition to that i also noticed that if i were to play into certain social norms around gender and like who's the butt of the joke so like misogyny um is what i'm thinking of that I recognize that as power too. I, I think I recognize that pretty early, like around the same time I noticed that about like beauty and desirability. I was noticing, oh, if I act like this or if I talk like this or if I put girls down or whatever, people like me better or more. Like there's power there. Yeah. No, that's a great point. Yeah. That's a great point. I, I, I also, you know, we, we've been talking a lot about high school. And mm-hmm. I did read. Don't quote me on this. You or the listeners definitely, definitely do your googles. But I, I definitely saw somewhere that around high school is when uh, ideas around gender become really rigid, mm. really rigid. And I, and if I think about a lot of my gender panic, <laughs> it 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 occurred in in those four years. Mm. You know, so. I, anecdotally for me that is definitely true like high school being the 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 time of life where gender is really rigid because i i I also do remember 
um, noticing that if I, again, I, I never, to me, I never did, like I said, quote unquote, did my gender correctly. I wanted to dye my hair. I wanted to do these different types of things. I was a very expressive young person. Mm -hmm. um, but I noticed when I decided to perform like all the other uh, guys and, you know, pull back a little bit and do things attributed to uh, normative masculinity, mm -hmm. I noticed that I got almost... Here's a quick announcement. My new book is available for pre-order now. Dear By Men, A Black Man's Perspective on Power, Consent, Breaking Down Binaries, and Combating Erasure is being published by North Atlantic Books and distributed by Penguin Random House. This book is a powerful resource for black by men to reclaim their identity, counter biphobia, and get empowered, and an offering to all readers looking to thwart the erasure and dehumanization wrought by patriarchy. The anticipated publishing date is April 16th, 2024, but you can pre-order it now. Also, Sometimes Impatient merch for people who are working on it is now available too. We got tote bags, t-shirts, hoodies, and pillows. Lastly, we have Patreon. If you like the podcast as is, there's way more in-depth podcast episodes and other goodies over on my Patreon. Tap in. I know you were talking about noticing uh, similar things about performing gender and being on the outs of gender or not performing gender properly, but when you would perform it in like, you know, a, a sort of stereotypical way, there was sort of access to some power. Yeah, that was pretty much it. Um, yeah, pretty much everything you just said. Uh, I noticed, again, when I would cut back on who I was, really when I would cut back and limit my authenticity and, you know, perform how I was quote unquote support, supposed to be, um, yeah, it was almost like some. I got some positive reinforcement from that. Man, like listening to that is like honestly, it's so heartbreaking. Um, and you know, I relate so much. Um, but it's just still so it's so heartbreaking to hear that. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Because it's just like just the the weight of that sentence, like limiting who I am and like my authenticity. Right. That's that's it's it, it is really sad. Mm -hmm. Um, I only have a couple questions left. Um, I guess I want to ask you, what kind of man did you want to grow up to be? Whether that is like way back to when you were like in elementary school or middle school or high school or even college. Do you remember yeah. thinking about that a lot? Yeah, um, great question. Um, I, have, I have like two answers to that. Mm -hmm. Like back then in high school, um, I wanted to be a lot of the things that, uh, you know, patriarchy demands of us as mass people. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to be stoic and stern and, and quote unquote masculine. I wanted to uh, be the breadwinner. I wanted to uh, uh, I, I just wanted to do it right. I wanted to mm -hmm. reach uh, essentially reach the sand reach the standard mm -hmm. right that was put uh, before me. Um, yeah, and I, I think that's the case for a lot of 
young men and men, you know, they are actively trying to reach this standard. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a lot of that is unattainable. Mm -hmm. But right now, at this point in my life, um, I want to, yeah, it's just I, what I want most is what I want most is authenticity, mm. authenticity, love, uh, freedom, <laughs> freedom from patriarchy. Um, yeah, authenticity, love, freedom, yeah. joy, yeah. Uh, liberation. Yeah, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, I'm thinking back and I think that I kind of struggle with this question for the like for the similar reason I struggle struggle to answer that question about like who were some of your heroes and things like that. Um yeah, there was it, it just kind of felt like I don't know if I'm going to make it to adulthood, you know. Um and then also like I don't know it was a lot of, I don't know who I want to be. Um, I think in, in in high school and maybe college, I started to feel like, okay, I think I want to be a person who can do, who can excel at the things that we consider to be masculine things and also can excel at the things that we consider to be feminine things. So I think pretty early on I saw both of them as like sort of necessary or important and I wanted to have like like a handle or a master on sort of both you know um yeah <laughs> um so um our last question that I'm gonna ask because we've we've covered a lot my last mm -hmm. question is yeah, what are some films or TV shows that you've seen about Black boyhood that stood out to you? Man. <laughs> uh, right up top of my head. Uh, damn, what was, that, what was that movie called? Uh, damn, what was that movie called? I think it came out in like 2017. Uh, oh, Moonlight. Moonlight? Moonlight. Yeah. <laughs> Off the top of my head, Moonlight. Yeah. Um, and I think really that might be the only one. Mm -hmm. uh, Moonlight, such an amazing film, mm -hmm. amazing film. And despite it being, I I I won't even say it's about um uh, uh being gay or anything like that. Although the main character in the movie. Well, it, it's 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 up for the day. They 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 could be queer or whatever, right? But just I, I, what I'm trying to say essentially is, despite the main character not being a, a straight black male, right? I think that movie is for all of us, for all us black men, black mass people, because I think. Our, the, our struggles, the things we deal with, the, the hurdles that are put in front of us are linked, right? Whether you're black and gay, black and bi, you know, pa patriarchy is the, is the thing that connects us. And it's just like, that film is literally uh, amazing. 
it's amazing what how how the the director whoever came up with the plot you know what what they're talking about in that film is really it's 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 such a weighty topic but it's done so it's 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 palatable but although it's palatable and digestible it doesn't take away the heft and weight of the subject matter so i was i would say that what about you so yeah moonlight is definitely one that's on my list um but based on what you said it just kind of reminded me of something um that i read online basically there was a film it was a um, pixar film if i'm not mistaken called red and so it's like animated and everything and it was about this young asian woman um young asian girl excuse me um learning about more about her culture and stuff and there was this like one sort of like review in particular that stood out it was by this um middle-aged white man and he was basically like oh yeah i thought the film was bad because i couldn't relate to it um and so it just kind of reminded me of how like a lot of times when you're from a dominant group even if like you're within a marginalized group um it 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 can be sort of like what am i trying to say i think what i'm trying to say is that sometimes when we see people who are not exactly like us and are from a different place on the marginalization sort of like totem pole if you will um mm-hmm. it can be easy for us to sort of disconnect and um i think that we should all sort of try to examine why that is and you know when you talk about the themes in the film moonlight i mean it is about a black boy it's about a black boy coming into manhood and a black queer boy coming into manhood and um figuring out so many things about himself and who he wants to be and what some of the forces were that shaped why he wanted to be who he became and mm. also like as an adult you know he sort of in some ways became someone who he promised himself he would never be like um but at the same time so much of who he became was his biggest hero and his one of his biggest sort of saviors from his childhood um i think that it is sad that um a lot of straight black men or straight men in general um are not able to hold the reality that other people uh, have a lot in common with them but also have their own experiences and are not able to sort of like witness that without like a lot of discomfort or the desire to mm-hmm. to disconnect um i think that's pretty sad um but yeah, um, so Moonlight was on my list, and then there's also um, David Makes Man, and it's by the same writer of, of Moonlight, essentially. Um, it's oh. mm-hmm, uh, Terrell A. McCraney. So, um, yeah, he wrote uh, David Makes Man, and that was on the OWN Network. And I really like that because it, it featured um, this young Black boy. He was the center of the, the TV show, and... Basically, he was from this impoverished neighborhood in Florida, and because of his smarts 
Um, he got into like a different school in a different part of town in a more affluent part of town. And so um, it was a lot of learning how to maneuver these different worlds, you know, the world that he's from. And then also like this other type of school with different kinds of black people than he, than he's used to. So lots of things about class and things like that and, and gender, black boyhood. Very, very cool. Um, you talked a lot about the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and like Will Smith and everything. And so there was like a remake um, called Bel-Air, um, which I, I watch right now. It's on Peacock. Um, and it's such a good show. I really like it a lot. It's really, it's like really current. Um, and I'm not like the biggest fan of like remakes or, or things like that, but I think they get yeah. the, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, very, it's a different I, show. I, I've heard of it. Uh-huh. I haven't seen it. Though. It's good. I recommend it. Um, there's also, there was also Queen Sugar, which was also on the, the, the own network. And, um, the, the entire story is about, you know, three siblings, but one of the siblings is a black man and he has a son and it was just really beautiful watching the way that he raised his son and tried to just support his son no matter what, because his son, um, very young when the show started and his son played with dolls. And so we saw how like his community responded to that and also saw how he responded to that in like a very supportive way. And no, I'm going to defend my child and my de defend my child's interests and, you know, uh, defend whoever my child turns out to be or, or what have you. And I thought that was like really, really beautiful um, and, you know, yeah. a great example. And then lastly, I have I Am a Virgo and this is on Amazon Prime. Jarrell Jerome stars in it. Um, and the premise of the show is that we're in this like sort of like superhero sort of galaxy or like, I mean, this world sort of where some people have powers and some people don't have powers. The main character, his his sort of like ability is that he is a giant. So he was born being a giant. I think he's like something like 40 feet tall or 30 feet tall or something like that. Um, and his parents homeschooled him and kept him away from the world. So nobody knew anything about him until he is like 21 or something like that. Like, so, yeah, so he has never gotten to socialize with his peers. He's never been out in public um, up until this show starts. And so it's kind of like, even though he is like a, technically like a young adult, it is a lot about like black boyhood and learning that like, oh, people see me as a villain, even though. I am so innocent. I am so naive. I am so like, you know what I mean? Right. So that one is really, really good too. Um, so I recommend all of those. Yeah, I guess I don't I don't watch too much. <laughs> you just listen to so many. It's like, damn, I don't watch TV and film like that at all. Uh, no, that's, nah, that's that's good though. Yeah. I'll have to check those out. Yeah. I want to thank you so much for your time, Mel, and for your vulnerability and, and this amazing conversation. And um, can you just let the folks at, at home know how to find you on social media? Yeah. Uh, once again, thank you for having me. Um, if you want to, if you enjoyed the podcast and you enjoyed anything I have to say, check me out on TikTok. Uh, that's where I mostly post my thoughts and ideas. What's your uh, I'm at. Yeah, I'm at, uh, at Toronto Paradise on TikTok. What's the story behind that? I'm sorry. <laughs> My name? 
Um, so, (laughs) (laughs) um, so I am, I am, I, I created it like 10, 10 plus years ago. Um, because at that time, uh, I'm just a Drake fan Mm. or, or I'm a, I'm a, hmm, I'm a recovering Drake fan uh, as of late. I, I, <laughs> you know, as of late, I've been, you know, uh, critiquing him a lot more. And, and you know, so, but yeah, he's from Toronto. Uh, and he has a song called Club Paradise. So I just took Toronto in the paradise. Mm-hmm. So that was a pretty nice, nice name. Can we talk about that a little bit more? Do you have a little bit more time to talk about, like, having to know because, like, <laughs> Oh my God, man, Mel, I, Mel. I always have time to talk about Aubrey, man. Um, Mel, so much, so much to say, so much to say. Drake, we were rooting for you, <laughs> man. But you know, it's not surprising to me because since since my uh, since me stepping into you know this space, feminism, patriarchy, uh, I've. I'll say this: if if you don't critique the things that you like and enjoy, I don't trust you. Mm. All right. I love Drake, but it's just like it's like I critique him because I love him. Yeah. Because I love his music, right? And it's just like since stepping into this space and learning about these things, I found a lot of remnants of patriarchy in his music. Yeah. And it's always been there. It's always been there. Mm-hmm. But Drake in the twenty twenties, um, his his you know, misogyny has been way more overt mm. than in the past decade. You know, it's always been there. Yeah. But um yeah, I mean hopefully I I I believe that he has the capacity to um to reflect on his behavior. Not not so much to where it's like super ab- academic and he's I don't know says patriarchy in a song or anything like that, but he's definitely there. I I truly believe that there's gonna come a point where he faces his behavior and his relationship with women. Really? Uh, and, and if it, if if it doesn't happen, I know he has the capacity to do that. Oh. Okay. But again, in in our patriarchal society, there there is no incentive for that, right? <laughs> so, who who knows? Especially if you have money. And like his level, right. His level of money and access and and things. Yeah. Um, I, so growing up, I wasn't always the biggest fan of hip hop. Um, if I'm being quite frank, you know, I grew up in in the nineties, um, and you know, the New York rap scene in the nineties was extremely like hyper-masculine, extremely Mm -hmm. overtly homophobic. Um, and so, um, there wasn't a lot of hip hop that I actually enjoyed. Um, especially from, right. Especially from men. I mean, I would occasionally like things from Foxy Brown and occasionally things from Little Kim and things like that, but Mm -hmm. that certainly wasn't my genre. And then I got to college, um, in, in, in the 2000s, like, uh, 2007 is when I went to college and Kanye was out and Drake had eventually come out. And so... This for me, like that was like, oh my goodness, this is 
Yeah. It's music. This is everything. <laughs> you know, it was so good. They're, they are so talented. They have so much talent. I will never, like, they are talented people, you know. Um, and then um, in, in college, uh, Frank Ocean was out around that time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was a sad boy. I was, I was, I was, I wasn't really. Speak on I, it. <laughs> I I can't really remember a time where I was really like, oh, I'm tough. I don't have feelings. I think I always kind of was like, I'm a sad boy, but I have to hide being a sad boy. And then, <laughs> you know, and then these musicians came out and they are sad boys. They are sad. Um, and they were telling people, I am sad. Um, and so mm-hmm. I, you know, identify with that so much. And because of that, it really blinded me to Drake's um, misogyny. You know, um, yeah. it was, right. It was very much like, oh, yeah, like um, I have feelings. I'm not like these other dudes that don't have feelings. I have feelings and get back in the kitchen and, you know, take care of me. And Mm. it was a lot harder for me to see Drake's misogyny, especially in the early music. There were lots of black um, women who I was friends with, who I'm sure I was uh, um, insufferable um, (laughs) because I would like be like, how was Drake a misogynist? (laughs) What do you mean he's a misogynist? What misogyny? And they would literally point me to lines from some of my favorite Mm -hmm. songs and they would be like, yes, this is, <laughs> this is misogyny. This is, <laughs> you know what I mean? Wow. <laughs> yeah. And that was very hard. That was not easy because I had ad- identified with him so much. And I, I, yeah. I liked him. I liked him a lot, you know. But um, I think that what you said about, you know, um, critiquing, you know, some of your favorite artists or favorite people is so important when you're trying to develop like ethics develop your own ethics and your own sense of like you know the world and and reality really yeah yeah that was an amazing conversation mel i appreciate you so much um and yeah like you've been so generous and um i just want to i i i'm so glad that we got to have this conversation honestly Agreed. Um, it it was a great time. Honestly, thank you for having me on. I this is, I, I love to just get to ruminate <laughs> and, 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 and and chop it up, you know. Yeah. So nah, this was this was great. Yeah. Thank you. Hopefully, Hopefully. listeners enjoyed it. <laughs> Hopefully. Thank you so much. Have a great night. Take care, everybody, and I will see y'all next time. Peace. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Let's Heal Already podcast. To be clear, I'm not advocating for an emotionally intelligent patriarch or for more men to begin and end their work at feeling comfortable painting their nails, wearing dresses, or expanding what falls under the fold of masculinity. Similarly, I do not want to be a highly efficient, well-adjusted worker under capitalism, which is often the aim of Western therapy models. I am calling for the system to be abolished. That system is imperialist, cis-heterosexist, white supremacist, capitalist, patriarchy. Please leave a rating or review on the platform you use to listen to this podcast, and feel free free to share this with your friends. Donation to show support can be made at J-R-Y-U-S-S-U-F on Venmo.